Chuck, should I stay mm. or should I go now? Well, if I go, there will be trouble. And if I stay, there will be double. So you got if to I, let me know. So hang on, hang on. Hang on. If, if, I, if I go, there will be trouble. And if I stay, there will be double. Wait, what? Yeah. Do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Should I break up with her? Chuck and I are going to share some five signs that you need to look out for whether your relationship is turning toxic, it's turning, it's turning the other way, and then whether you should be staying in the relationship or is it better to exit and leave the relationship? So Chuck, mm-hmm. have you ever been in a relationship where you thought, well, you know what? It's time to leave. I should have left, but you ended up staying way too long in the relationship. It's 20 years too long. Cause yeah, that was my first marriage. <laughs> no, my, 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 my ex-wife is a wonderful person and great, great mom, but you know, I should have probably gotten out of that relationship within the first couple of months of the relationship. Looking back on that. And that's the thing about hindsight, isn't it? That, you know, you look back on something and you can kind of realize that, Oh yeah, I should have left a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that us nice guys tend to do is we tend to stay in relationships way past their expiration date. 20 years. Like, 20 why? Years. What, what, yeah, what made you stick in that for such a long time? I can, I can understand. Well, there was a number of, right. number of things, number of things, but mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, and the number one thing I think was we had a daughter with special needs and, and we were really staying together a lot for that. The other reason was because we both came from a very religious background where divorce was considered to be a sin. Um, and so we, we ended up staying together for a long time, really more as roommates. Um, you know, she kind of became more of almost like a sister instead of, you know, a wife. And ultimately, you know, I think we both realized at the end there that, um, we needed to, we, we were better, we were better parents than we were married partners. 20 years. I can, you know, I, I can relate to the fact that I stayed in a relationship. Uh, it was six years. And it was five years, nine months, way too long. And I kind of instinctively knew deep down mm-hmm. that I should have left. Mm-hmm. But all my nice guy tendencies came out. And I, the deeper I got into the relationship, the more it was like a quicksand. I knew I had to get out. I wanted to get out. But the more I wiggled, the more I tried to get out, I just kept sinking deeper and deeper into the relationship. <laughs> and I find myself just suffocating within the relationship. And then I started to think, well, I can fix this. I can solve this. I can make this relationship into something that's going to be doable and workable. But it doesn't yeah, happen. no, it doesn't. In fact, I, I often tell people like the, my definition of codependency is being in love with someone's potential. 
you know? And that's oftentimes what us nice guys do is we get into relationships and, and, and we would just say, well, you know, if they would just do this or if they would just be this way or, you know, if it, you know, when I, I know she can do this because when we first were together, she would do these things and mm-hmm. we become in love with who we think they are, or who, who we think they can be as opposed to actually being in love with that person. And I think the other thing is that, you know, nice guys are bad enders because we don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the one that like breaks up and then she goes, tells all her friends, oh, he broke up with me, you know, and um, we hate, hate when people are upset with us. So, so I think it, it's really difficult. But at the same time, if you don't see the signs, if you don't, um, you know, work, A, either work through these issues or B, mm. um, let these things go on until they become toxic. You can end up staying in a relationship way longer than you need to. And so let's talk about the five things that you and I came up with, sort of the five signs that it's either time to, you know, look hard at the relationship in yourself or it's time to say, you know what, it's time to go. Yeah, let's go through them because, um, you know, staying in the relationship way too long and having all of these issues, I kind of bypass them, ignore them, thinking they'll work out. So let's have a look at number one. And this is, it really hits me hard when I read this as well. So you start becoming petty and critical and you start walking on eggshells. I mean, I started walking on eggshells. Anything I did or say or do was never good enough. I just got criticized left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, and criticism, I think, is a very toxic thing that can get into relationships. And um, there's a definition I like to use between criticism and complaint. You know, if she's complaining, which is, you you left your socks on the floor, that's one thing. But if she's criticizing, and that's a an attack on you personally. You always leave your socks on the floor. You're lazy. You don't pick up after yourself. Those kind of things. That's the definition of criticism. Complaints are legit, but criticism is an attack on your character. And when you start feeling like your character is being attacked and you're walking on eggshells, you know, because you're afraid of, you know, doing, saying, being, the wrong person in the relationship that you're going to get attacked and you're going to get criticized and you're going to get scolded for not being the man she wants you to be. Yeah. The the perfect guy, because what's happening is that when you're criticized or when you're being, when you're receiving criticism, it's like they're attacking your character. It's shame. It's toxic shame. It's shame. And yeah. And, and they're, they're, you know, making the shame worse. And all I felt was a lot of shame. There's there's something wrong with me. I'm dysfunctional. I'm unlovable. You know, I call this like the shame fracture and it just made situations worse. And I thought, well, what's the point of doing anything? I better stay quiet. I'm, I'm so afraid to rock the boat, do anything and I'll get criticized. And what happens after doing a lot of criticism, it weighs you down. I, I notice my energy, my spirit, my confidence, everything just eroded away over time. 
Yeah, it will wear on you. It'll wear you down when you're in a relationship that there's this toxic element of criticism. And so as nice guys, you know, one thing is we can say, okay, this relationship isn't worth repairing or asking ourselves a question of like, what, what am I tolerating? And why am I not, you know, saying it's not okay to, to criticize me? You know, why are we not, you know, entering into that conflict of, Hey, I don't like the way that that feels when you say I'm lazy. So please stop doing that and set a boundary with that. So if we're not setting boundaries and we're not expressing our feelings and we're not expressing and communicating to our partner, then again, the relationship's going to be toxic. You were saying about like being criticizing everybody else, but have you noticed that nice guys are hypercritical themselves? Oh yeah. 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 We, we, we're very hard on ourselves. We're hard on the world as well. So isn't it sometimes that we are being criticized, but also we are very critical in the relationship too at some point. And sometimes I think we can be blindsided. I definitely was, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, uh, Maybe not in that specific relationship, but I find myself being very critical in other relationships. And how did that show up for you? It, it, it just, I just became very resentful, petty. Um, and I noticed that because there was no boundaries, I, I didn't set boundaries in myself. Because I was walked over, pushed around, then I started to find other ways trying to effectively gain power back. So it was more kind of a passive aggressive way. Yeah. The typical nice yeah. guy stuff as well. Yeah. And then sometimes I would be very direct as well, uh, but just usually being critical. And I noticed myself being petty and critical. And I noticed myself, you know, when you were saying that, you know, nice guys want, they, they fall in love with the potential of someone. <laughs> and then you think, come on, you can be better than this. And I mm. want this in the relationship rather than accepting the way they are. I mean, I guess there's a fine line between what well, there is a potential that somebody needs my Maybe there's a blind spot. They need some mm-hmm. feedback on this to the fact that you just criticize. Everything's, a, I guess everything becomes a pain and a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship stops being fun. And why didn't you get into a relationship in the first place was you want to have fun. You want to have a good time. You wanted to be like, you know, have a partner who you can hang out with and you could do stuff with and have, have sex with, you know, you wanted to have fun but then all of a sudden the relationship stops being fun and it becomes work it and, and relationships do take work but if it's constantly like this you know you're dreading to go home you're dreading to see them that's a big sign that you know toxicity has started to erode your relationship yeah. let's talk about number two all right. So number two is she's unable to take feedback and apologize. She's not open to receiving and is always demanding and unhappy. Yeah. Have you ever been in a relationship like that? Have you ever been uh, even short relationships and thing where you give feedback? It might be, you know, pretty useful feedback, but there's no way that she will take, take that feedback on. Yeah. And that's the defensiveness. 
you know, I mean, you, you've got the, the criticism, you know, and then a defensiveness of, uh, well, there's nothing wrong with me. You're the problem. If you would just fix yourself, uh, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't apologize because she doesn't think she's wrong. She thinks that you're doing something that made her do whatever it is that she did. And so she's in the right. Mm. And when she's unable to take feedback and when I'm unable to take feedback for that matter, what I'm doing is I'm just being defensive. I've got my guard up, you know? And so if, we come to her and we say, you know, we try to set a boundary. We try to explain like why it's not okay to treat me a certain way. And she gets defensive and we run into that defensiveness. Then it's time to look at what are some things that we can do to break through that defensiveness, either in her or either in myself. And that's the harder part of communication is kind of getting to that point. And maybe we can talk about that in a future podcast, but uh, because I think that would take an entire episode to talk about how do you break down the defensiveness in relationships? Because that that would be a, a really useful one. Because I, I noticed that you know, you know when when arguments happen and it naturally happen, one gets more defensive, and then the other person gets defensive, defensive, and then both of you are on this edge all the time, mm-hmm. and the communication just completely breaks down. I'm in the logical thinking, hey, here's the point. Why can't you see the point? And she's in the emotions and saying, you know, and she's expressing how she feels and there's a complete disconnection and it's going nowhere. So, and I think it takes, this isn't just about the masculine and feminine, but it also takes about this lot of maturity that needs to come in from both sides, you know, to bridge that gap. So it's not just one side. And, you know, I put my hand up. I, I sometimes find it very difficult to take feedback. I'm much better now with getting help and therapy is to take some feedback and thinking, ah, oh, ask myself the question. Actually, what there might be some val- validity in that feedback. There must, there's a reason I must r- look at it rather than just shut it off and close off. That, and I think that presentation has a lot to do with it as well. Because it's, your I tone. can say, <laughs> that's yeah, the tone, right? Your tone, tone. Chuck, your tone hurts your me. Tone. Yeah, 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 exactly. The the presentation, you know, because I could say, you know, you always leave your socks on the floor, you're your lazy bum, right? That's one way to say it. I could say, hey, sweetheart, I'm wondering if I can talk to you about something. When you leave your socks on the floor, it makes me feel like, you just expect me to pick up after you. That's the story I'm telling myself. And I'm wondering, would you be mindful and pick up your socks on the floor? Would you just please do that for me? That would really help me. You know, that presentation is more likely to get you a positive response than one that is just, you know, critical, demanding, and, um, given to you just, in sort of a crummy way. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's getting to me, right? Because, you know, my son leaves his freaking socks on the floor and I'm going, can you pick up your socks, please? And like 400th time, pick up the goddamn socks. How many <laughs> right, times right. have I told you? Pick up the, you know, it's there. It's stinking. And I've told you this before. Oh yeah. I didn't see you. I'm what you mean? I didn't see you walk past it like a million times. It's there. So I'm finding myself becoming, becoming, becoming the wife. Like, 
Well, I, I, have, yeah. I guess I, I guess you know when we do give feedback, there is a level of uh, competency and mm-hmm. taking that in, taking that on board and how it feels. I mean, from both sides. So um, yeah, the socks. Yeah, yeah, the socks. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right. Right. So let's have a look at number three. So what's number three, Chuck? Uh, she never wants to have sex, and it's the dead bedroom. Um, let's see. She she's seeking validation and attention from other men. She's flirting with other men. She's being over friendly and over unavailable to them. In fact, you know what? The number one predictor of your woman or partner getting ready to leave the relationship mm-hmm. is this one thing. She starts going back to the gym. She starts working on herself. She starts kind of moving away. You know, at that point in time that your relationship is in danger and that she has one foot out the door. Oh, so is that, is that her sign or is she trying to communicate to you? Hey, pay me attention. If not, someone else is going to pay me attention. Yeah. I think, you know, women are naturally attracted to high valued men. So if we're not presenting ourselves in the relationship as a high valued man, then what's going to happen is she's going to seek out a high value man. So what is she going to do in order to, to get a high value man? She's going to start working on herself. She's going to start going to the places where high valued men hang out in. She's going to likely just want to think about herself and that her needs aren't being met in the relationship. And so she wants to go find a man who will meet her needs in the relationship. So oftentimes it's a, you know, and relationships are two ways. We always, you know, we're co-creating this relationship. So if I'm not doing my job and being a high valued man and leading in the relationship and she starts to leave, that's a sign that I'm not doing my job, that I'm not engaging her, that I'm not leading in this relationship, that I'm not working on myself to be a high valued man that she wants to be with. And I know that that's one of the, your specialties is helping guys become that high valued man. Absolutely. Yeah. Becoming the charismatic high value man. So uh, I'd love to break this down a little bit. For example, okay. There's the dead bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. The dead bedroom. What's going on there? I mean, who's actually at fault here or is there fault or is it both? Or, you know, let's just break this down because I know a lot of nice guys, they, They've experienced a dead bedroom. Have you ever experienced a dead bedroom? If you have, what was yeah. it like? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was terrible. I mean, it was, there was the, you know, I was married for 20 years, like I said, and, and the bedroom was dead. Uh, and that has to do with, again, both, both of us. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that came up for me was, Highly sensitive. Literally. <laughs> Literally or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that away. What, what, what came up for me <laughs> uh, was that 
I was terrified of being rejected. Rejection hurt. So if I would approach my partner for sex and she would reject me, then that would be devastating. And that was really painful. And as a result of that, I stopped approaching. And by me stopping approaching, you know, that led to, uh, you know, my part of the dead bedroom. And she certainly had her part of it as well. But it's a co-created relationship thing. So I think that if you're not doing your job and leading her in the area of sexuality, then, and you're afraid of rejection, then there's a good chance that the sexual relationship is going to die. The other thing I see happen a lot of times for guys, nice guys, especially is that they're the ones they say, why do I always have to be the one that initiates? Why can't she ever be the one that initiates? Yeah. And the reason is, is because the masculine energy is an initiation energy. It does. The masculine does, you know? And so if you're wanting your partner to initiate, you're basically wanting her to be in the masculine, which puts you in the feminine. Um, and that that's not attractive for her. You know, she wants you to be that high value man who comes to her, initiates, and then you're able to, you know, co-create you know, the, the feminine responds, the feminine receives. So you initiate, she receives. Now, if you're initiating continuously and she is continuously rejecting you, there's a bigger problem there. And that's something yeah. you might need to sort out with a counselor or a therapist, uh, something like that. But in general, in a healthy relationship, one partner is in the masculine and initiates and the others in the feminine and receives. So if your bedroom's dead, there's a good chance that there's not any leadership going on in the relationship. Yeah, I agree. And the dead bedroom is, I, you know, I would see, I would say that most of the time uh, guys have a quite a uh, strong responsibility for keeping the bedroom alive. And if the guy isn't creating an environment or, or a situation or, or a, a place where she can really open up and be her feminine self and, and connect to herself, her sensuality and sexuality. It's usually because there isn't a safe situation or space for her to express this. And I've noticed this as well in, in my situations where if I've never been in, attuned to her, not been connected well to her, haven't kind of built the stuff before that happens for sex, then the sex is not going to happen. And I see a lot of guys, they're very black and white. They will have a lot of the nice guy behaviors and habits. And then when they go for the sex, she doesn't want it. And they're like, why? You know, it's like every few months, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, so sad to hear this. But a lot of the guys have the dead bedroom and they don't see how they can fix this. And I say it's not in the bedroom you have to fix this problem. You have to fix this problem with yourself first. Start becoming the guy who's attuned, start to learn seduction skills. And seduction skills aren't sleazy or pick up his stuff. It's all about learning to attune with her, being playful with her, teasing her, touching it in a way that makes her feel like a woman. 
So if you have the dead bedroom and, and you're trying everything else, that's a really good sign to say, well, I need to seek help. Like I said, see a counselor, therapist, coaches, whoever is specialist in this one. And she will start, she will start to get attention from other men. She start flirting with other men, being over friendly, over available for them because that's her survival mechanism. I mean, some girls are like that, which is again, a different conversation, but, uh, but these are kind of signs to look out for. You know, one more thing before we move on to, uh, Number four, mm. if your bedroom looks like a pigsty and you've got laundry all over the place and you've got stuff out of order and papers everywhere and stuff like that, you can't expect her to want to just, you know, <laughs> ravish you. <laughs> your <Turn> environment <laughs> is also really important. So one of the things that I always encourage guys to do is like, Make your bedroom specifically a safe haven. Make it a place where you guys want to hang out and make it like yeah, if you went to a really nice hotel, like what would that look like? But if your bedroom is just chaos and you've got laundry everywhere. Socks and all over the floors. Socks, yeah, all socks over the everywhere. Place. That's what it is. I'm yeah. This is my socks. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So, so. Clean up your room, man. Clean it up. All right. Make your bed. Change the, yeah, change the bed. I think this is a, Chuck, that's such a great point is because a lot of the nice guys, they're sloppy. They, yeah. they really are. They're half-hearted, sloppy when it comes to relationships, intimacy, connection. And I'm, I'm guilty of this and lazy. So a lot of it, it, you know, intimacy does take time, effort, consistency, and courage. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to build and, all this. And the truth is, is, is that this is something I worked on quite a bit, but if you go to my bedroom, it looks like a pristine hotel. You know, we, I make the bed every day. Um, I make sure that that's clean. It's an environment that my wife and I love to be in because we purposefully created a space for us that, mm felt comfortable it felt romantic it felt feels inviting so it's 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 a little thing but again it kind of i think it goes back to that high valued man if your bedroom looks like you know a tornado hit it then she's <laughs> going to perceive you as a low valued man and you may yeah, say absolutely. to yourself well that's her job she's got to clean up and she's got to put no 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 we're co-creating relationships this is where you take the leadership this is where you get in there and you clean your shit up and you, you know, make it a place that's inviting. Exactly. All right. Set, set the standard. You set the standards. Set now the standard. I want to see your, that's it on your Instagram. I want to see this photo of this bedroom. Was, right? was it my bedroom? All right. I'll put it on. Yeah. I want, to, I want to see your photo. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you want to see Chuck's bedroom, send us a mail. I'll put any photos of Chuck's yeah. bedroom. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. My wife's like, why are you posting photos of our bedroom on your Instagram yeah. account? <laughs> <laughs> Faisal told me to, and so did all. Yes. All our two listeners ask that the same thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to like number four. Read that. What, what do we got, number four? Oh, breakdown in trust. Maybe there's been lying, cheating, out of integrity, unable to be open or direct. So maybe there's something big going on in your relationship, and it's time to now examine whether you should be staying, whether you should be breaking up with her. So lying and cheating. Chuck, 
Yeah. Have you ever been cheated on? Or maybe have you ever cheated? Yeah, both. Both. Uh, here's the thing about this, and I think this is uh, this is going to be controversial. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. If it's controversial, <laughs> yeah. let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. this is it. All right. No holds bar here. The affair doesn't start in the bedroom with someone else. The cheating doesn't start with something else. In fact, I think a lot of guys say to themselves, unless my penis goes into her vagina, it's not cheating. The cheating happens, and this is on both ends, at a conversation that you hide from your partner, you know, and it might be, Oh, I got a text from an old partner. You know, it might be, uh, you know, I, somebody asked me out to lunch, you know, we're just friends, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's a, a really big deal. In fact, if I can put a little plug here, um, I just did a video on this on my YouTube channel. Um, you guys can go check that out. It's YouTube slash at Chuck Chapman. Um, but this idea of cheating happens when a friendship happens. I think personally think that men and women, if you're in a monogamous relationship, you shouldn't have friends of the opposite sex. That's, that's my opinion. And the reason for that is because if you're standing on the edge, it's much easier to fall off than if you're 20 feet back. So, you know, Send me hate mail, whatever. That's my opinion. But once your relationship crosses the line into infidelity, it's a very difficult step back. You can't unfall off the cliff. And I know there are relationships that have survived and thrived as a result of cheating, but I would say those are rare as opposed to the ones that never recover because I think fidelity is something that as, uh, as men and as women, like we need that in our relationship because we need to have safety and trust in order to have intimacy. That is my opinion. Right. So it's, it's, a uh, having, uh, there's a lot I have like questions here and one of the questions was, I, I get that. So you're saying is if you guys are in a healthy monogamous relationship, maybe remove the unnecessary temptations. Is it, would you say, is it remove the temptations yeah. or unnecessary kind of communication and connection? And well, there's no reason there's no reason. Look, why, if you're in a monogamous relationship, what's the reason for having a relationship with somebody from the opposite sex? Yeah. Well, yeah, I can see some benefits to it. I mean, I have uh, female friends. Uh, not all of them. But you're not. Sleep with them. But yeah. But you're also not in a monogamous relationship, right? Well, yeah. So I'm in a kind of like open relationship. Even if I wasn't yeah. in a monogamous relationship, right? Even even if I wasn't in a monogamous, there are some female friends that I find incredibly valuable because they give me insights I don't normally sometimes get from men, <laughs> and um, I can see how that could be threatening but also how I would conduct myself with those uh, friends. And, okay. but I, I guess what I, I did like what you said was that, you know, cheating doesn't start with when he puts his, you know, 
uh, car in the garage, as to say, right? <laughs> he puts his penis in here. That's, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so I understand that because that's when, you know, it starts with, you know, intellectual and emotional cheating, then the physical cheating, mm-hmm. or it might be the physical cheating straight away. Um, but I understand that, uh, you know, emotion, you know, it starts with that connection when you're already starting to look elsewhere for that connection yes. that you're not getting in within the relationship. And that's mm-hmm. to, and research shows that, um, men find that if she's emotionally cheated, they can overcome that. But if she's physically cheated, if she's had sex with the other guy, men find it crushing and very difficult to overcome. If he's physically cheated, but hasn't, you know, fallen in love with her, that's her biggest fear. She's more likely to forgive or overcome this struggle. So that was a research and and the same thing, you know, in my, in my, in my life as well. If I, if she's caught or if I've had a, um, in my past when I've had relationships where I've seen that she's emotionally getting involved. Yeah. It, it was heartbreaking, but the ones that way she's had, she's physically intimate with someone. That was it. That was the line. Yeah. That that was ultimately the most painful thing. So cheating and lying and distrust, if you've got that going on in your uh, relationship, I don't, can, can you ever repair from that? Can we ever, can most people come back from that? Yeah. Again, another great topic for another podcast. Can men and women be friends? Can, can women? Oh, that is a good topic. Mm. Uh Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's move on. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Number five. What's number five, Chuck? Uh, You've outgrown each other and your values don't align. Your let's see. She meets. She doesn't meet the requirements of her. Re- she does yeah. doesn't meet the requirements of her requirements. Meets her standards. Double standards. She has carved out her own life. Say going to the gym, hobbies, and things like that. And she, now she has no time for you. Oh, so have you ever outgrown a relationship? Oh, that's happened. That's happened. Um, I remember when you know, doing a lot of personal development, a lot of growth work uh, before this. No, but now when I'm, so I've been in short term relationships and I've found that the, you know, she doesn't want to grow anymore or she doesn't want to, uh, you know, raise her standards. So I'm raising my standards, you know, improving my fitness, my health, uh, my wealth, all aspect of myself. I'm, I'm improving. I mean, reinvesting myself. And then I see that, you know, she doesn't want rather watch Netflix or <laughs> rather you know, be do menial stuff and occasionally kind of dip into that. For me now I'm in a situation where, okay, I'm out of alignment and yeah. now it's time for me to move on. I think it's one of those things. It's like a slow erosion. You know, if you're not aware of that over a long period of time, you start to, um, realize you don't have a lot in common. And I see this with guys who've been in relationships for a long time where, you know, they they fall in love, they get married, they have kids. And then, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road, they feel like, you know, they're, they're experiencing the dead bedroom. They're experiencing, you know, all of those things that we talked about above. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that as men, we haven't led 
in our relationship. A relationship is like a garden, you know, you have to go and plant seeds. And if you, mm-hmm. if you just let the garden go, you know, the, whatever you planted is going to die and there's just going to be weeds and, um, you know, tall grass and all that kind of stuff. So you can have a relationship, you can have a garden and do nothing and it will eventually grow weeds and tall grass and uh, you're not going to want to hang out in there. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. There'll be socks in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, or you tend to the garden, you know, you, you water it, you feed it, you pull the weeds, you plant, you know, you put in good soil, all of that kind of stuff. And that's something that it's easier to do that at the beginning and maintain it than it is to go back and, you know, mm-hmm. dig everything up, clear it all out and then replant and then, you know, try to grow the garden from there. So if you're not tending to your relationship, you will most likely outgrow the relationship. You know, when you say that as well, there's, we all grow in, in, you know, in five years, five years time, I won't be the same person than I'm now. And like five years ago, I'm very different to where, where I was. So as you're growing, I noticed one thing as well. In in a relationship, when two people are, you know, spending more time together, I also notice that the one who starts to build their self worth, self confidence, as that starts raising, and the other person isn't raising their self value, self worth, they tend to move away from that person mm-hmm. because as you start becoming more secure within yourself, and the other person has doesn't do any of the work, you'll notice that you will start to reject that person. For example, like in attachment, secure people do not attach with insecure people. It's, it's just a conflict of um, compatibility. So that when you start to realize that you're becoming more incompatible, that's when you start to see, okay, now it's time to move. If you cannot reconcile this, if you cannot align with this, then you start to notice that, okay, you know what? We don't align. We're different people now, and that's okay. That's okay. And this is the final message I want to say for the takeaway is that, you know, I spent six years in a relationship, you know, five years, nine months, way too long. And you spent 20 years as well. So my message is that, you know, do the honorable thing and know that it's going to be painful. And I know nice guys rather, this is the ironic thing, right? Nice guys are so afraid of leaving relationship. This was me. I was so afraid of leaving the relationship. I was wishing that something else outside made it really impossible. I've heard stories where the guys was thinking, I wish she would get run over or die or die with disease then to break up the relationship. That's how painful some of the relationship was for some guys. So my message is, you know, time is precious. We don't have a lot of time on this earth. Stop taking it for granted and just do the honorable thing. If something isn't working out and you try very hard to fix it and you even get help and support, I know a lot of nice guys are reluctant to get help and support. That's what they're there for. If it doesn't work, it's okay to move on. Great message, Faisal. Great. Yeah, that's that's such an important thing. So guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Nice Guy Show. We'll return with our next episode and we're going to talk about when to enter a relationship and when to avoid the death penalty. All right, gentlemen. Been awesome. Thank you very much. 
You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life. Thank you.